Welcome to the Filmological Society, brought to you by Redacted Media and 6.5 Media. In today's episode, we count down the 100 greatest comedies according to the BBC. And now, here are your hosts, Chris Scholes and Chad Halverson. And welcome to another podcast of the Filmological Society, the Countdown Show, where we are counting down the top 101 comedies of all time according to the BBC. I, I came this- here... For 101 Dalmatians, sir. I well, that's that's our other that's our other podcast. So, um, um, before we get into all the podcasts that we do, I am one of your hosts. I am Chris Schultz. With me, as always, is Chad Helverson. Hello, Chad. How are I you today? I'm fantastic, Chris. Thanks for having me. Great, and we are lucky enough to be welcoming back someone who joined us a few weeks ago. Um, and maybe a few months from when the podcast came out, but a few weeks ago, Amy Lynch. Hello, Amy. How are you today? I'm great. How are you guys? Sassy. I'm I'm, I'm good. Yeah, we're sassy. sassy today. <laughs> I am I am excited. Um, today's film from 1936. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is number 36, number 36 on the list. Wow. I am starting out great. Uh, from 1988, A Fish Called Wanda. Uh, not A Fish Named Wanda, but A Fish Called Wanda. Um, directed by Charles Crichton. He was the main director. And then uh, John Cleese also has a uh, not listed name, but director credit as well for this film. You can definitely tell this is a a John Cleese film, and I didn't know this. I've never seen this film before. I had no idea he wrote okay, it. Okay, wow. And like you can definitely tell yeah. he wrote it, and it was really weird, you know, considering there was only two out of six uh, Monty Python alumnus in this film, but him and uh, Palin were only in a few scenes together, which leads me to think that he was behind the scenes more for Palin's stuff. Um, I don't know that for sure, but since they've worked together yeah, well, so much. Well, yeah, we'll we'll get into that. There's a reason why. But uh, um, Amy, I'll ask you, when was the last time you saw this film before, you know, yesterday or whenever you saw it? Uh, probably 30 years ago. <laughs> like, yeah, and I saw it on video. I didn't see it in the theater. I was a little too young. But my guess is, you know, when it came out on video. So. You know, 89, whenever, <laughs> somewhere in there. So it's been a very long time since I had seen it. Um, yeah, I, I'm i probably in the same boat as you are, Amy. Like, it, it had been a while for me. Um, I, I will say, though, um, sometimes there's a performance by an actor that sticks with you. And, and you're, you may not be able to track where that performance was. Um, but that actor always like has a, a, a place in your heart or, or your, your movie heart that it doesn't matter. It's you're excited to see the film with that actor. And for me, this film 
and Kevin Klein. Yeah. I, I, after seeing this for like after 30 years, um, Kevin Klein just is just an amazing performance in this film, an Oscar winning performance for this film, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, it's like I'm seeing him for, and I'm remembering like, oh yeah, that's why I like Kevin Klein so much. <laughs> Doesn't matter the film. Um, so sorry, I just, no, uh, I'm just excited that I saw this film again because I saw his performance and why I liked him so much. Yeah, I, I had no idea. Uh, I, I mean, I, I knew the ultimate twist at the ending. Uh, with Cleese's mm-hmm. character uh, turn, but like, I, and I had only seen clips. I had no idea how involved uh, Klein's performance was, nor did I know, you know, before going into this, that he won an Academy Award for it. Like, you can tell. Yeah. So, so Amy, I'll ask you first. Did this film hold up for you? Is this, did you still find it funny? Um, I didn't find it as funny as I remembered. Um, okay. But it held up. It took me, um, it took a little while for me to get back into it. Um, cause you know, it, the characters, they're just such horrible people. <laughs> you know, there was so many things to dislike about them all. And I love the cast, you know? So, um, that was, that took yeah. a little getting used to, but by the end of it, I was like, you know, back to, I knew I'd liked it. Um, mm-hmm. so having not seen it in so long, there were some things I forgot, but, um, yeah. And you were talking about Kevin Klein. His performance is amazing. He's just hilarious. And yeah, so I, I enjoyed it. Um, it's one I'm probably going to add to my collection, which is a rarity for me as far wow. as comedies go, but it, it seems worth, worth owning. And, you know, I, I would imagine, um, if uh, you're a member of the fish audience watching this film, it is a horror film. Yes, so this is true. <laughs> it, it would qualify there for you. So it would be um, Chad, what about you? This is the first time viewing it. So um, what were your thoughts going into it? What, uh, what did you think uh, when the uh, end credits started? Yeah. So I grew up a big Monty Python fan. I, I don't know if I ever mentioned this before. I had a like a reimbursement for financial aid in my freshman year of college, you know, just leftover money. And instead of like putting that money in the bank and saving it up for like a rainy day or like, you know, when I would need more books or something, I decided to buy the Monty Python uh, box set on DVD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all the seasons, all the specials, behind the scenes stuff, whatever. So I'm already a Python fan and a Cleese fan, and I love Michael Palin, too. Mm-hmm. This no, knowing all that and having that background and never watching this film going into it, you can definitely tell John Cleese wrote this film. It, it has the same beats as a lot of his old sketches, um, a lot of awkward moments. He used to write his writing partner for most of the show was. Um, oh, fuck. It's the main uh, he's uh, Chapman, Chapman. Thank you. Uh, Graham Chapman was his writing partner because they knew each other from uh, going to uh, college together. Um, so that felt a little weird because 
I don't know, having Chapman's voice maybe would have made this different and it could have been made for the worse, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it definitely had a footprint that I was familiar with. And by the end of it, I was completely satisfied. Yeah, everybody's bad in this movie, but, you know, it's a dark comedy. Everybody. Like, there's no there's not supposed to be likable characters here. And I think what shines besides the whole a plot of that, like crazy, you know, hey, where the hell are the diamonds plot? I feel like Michael Palin's B plot is so much more darker and sadder and funnier <laughs> by the end of it. Um that it kind of like take Wanda's story and, you know, the, the principal four that are just kind of dicking around on that a plot. Uh, but Michael Palin, I feel like that's just like the cherry on top of this whole movie. Uh, you know, him trying to off this woman and he's being goaded by Otto that he can't do it. And he eventually does it. Um, even though like he, pretty much like kills pieces of himself trying to do it each time. So uh, yeah, by the end of the film, like, and how could I not even mention her, but like Jamie Lee Curtis, holy shit. Like she was always a crush of mine growing up. And like, she, I, I, I've been, this film didn't ruin it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I I have recently been uh, watching all the old Halloweens uh, through because I never like seen all the sequels and stuff like that. So I, I got Laurie Strode very fresh in my mind. Uh, and this is actually, you know, this is obviously a very different character than she played as a screen queen. Um, but she's so uh, um, confident and uh, boisterous and just out there. Uh, it, it's the type of character that would get a John Cleese uptight, you know, barrister to fall in love with her. So I, well, I thought it was a, I, her, it was a fun her- story. I, I really enjoyed it. How, how many movies ha- have either of you seen where the um, um, four main male actors all made out with the single female? <laughs> it's very actress? rare. Very rare. <laughs> I, I mean, she's a pro. And. So just a, a little, a little uh, background. I well, I'll, I'll I'll say my opinion. Like I was looking forward to this. I mistakenly remembered because it had been so long since I saw this that it was basically a Monty Python film, but without Graham Chapman who had passed away. Obviously, it's only the two people. Are, no, no Eric Idle. None of the other characters are either. Um, just the two, as have been pointed out. So I. Uh, I made that mistake last episode, so I will edit that out so that I sound 100% correct. <laughs> um, and also edit this out where I'm, you know, correcting myself. But anyway, um, Charles Crichton, um, he was part of a – so he was uh, the director, and John Cleese gives him all credit. So Charles Crichton was a director that John Cleese had always wanted to work with. Um, he was in his, I think, 80s or 90s when he directed mm. this film. Um, but he had been part of the group that, um, like, in the 50s and 60s and maybe even 40s in, in Britain, they had directed, like, all the main comedies, the ones that in, had inspired John Cleese, among others. Um, uh, the, the film um, that we did with Alec Guinness, Chad, 
um, <laughs> with the cornets. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, kind hearts and cornets, I believe. That kind was hearts and cornets, yes. Yeah, part of the group that that uh, Charles Creighton was part of. So uh, John Cleese only signed up to do this film as a director uh, just to appease the studio, which was afraid that an 80 to 90 year old director um, may pass away in the middle of this film. Um, so John, John Cleese said, OK, fine, you can put me down as co-director, but it's mm -hmm. his film. Okay, so the one, I guess, uncomfortableness of this film, while played very well by Michael Palin, is the stutter. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah, agreed. It's now his dad had a stutter, so that's what he kind of based his style on. Was his dad? Could something like that work today? I I didn't. I don't know. And normally I'm the one that's like super PC right away. I didn't find it right terribly offensive because like he's not like all the other characters are mean to him and they're or sorry mostly Otto is mean to him. Yeah, he's a bad person for making fun of the stutter. Having a character that has a stutter in a criminal group. I don't know. I, I, that definitely added a layer of comedy to the whole thing. Plus, and, and I don't know. Now I feel like I'm defending Michael Palin. He's, he's had that character, that stuttering, stuttering character in Python skits for years. So basically he was just, uh, bringing out an old hit. Could it still be played today like that? Maybe, but it probably would definitely catch some flack for it. I was just like shocked that he wore uh, like uh, fucking dreads and a Rasta hat and didn't do blackface. And this is 1988 where if if, if it would have been blackface, we're like, well, you know, 1988. But they didn't. I was shocked. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. 83 blackface Dan Aykroyd. But uh, 88 Michael Palin. No, that's too far. What, what do you think, Amy? Do you think do you think uh, even even with somebody that like Michael Palin, who could point to his father having it and could point to the fact that he's played this character? Do you think that this would work if this film were ever remade? Do you think the stutter could be? Could be there? Uh, I don't think it would work. No. And um, Chad made a good point, though, that Otto is a horrible person. So him making fun of the stutter is, you know. It's to be expected. And also the point he made about, you know, they're a group of criminals. You don't usually have a stutterer among, <laughs> among that group. Um, but yeah, I don't think it would play. Um, that was part of um, me taking me a little time to get into the movie was yeah. the cruelness of them <laughs> to poor Michael Palin's character um, about the stutter. I, I will say he did his research. I mean, and this is... He knew his dad, probably, I'm guessing. Um, but, like, some little nuances in the stutter. So, like, with animals, a lot of stutterers will have animals because they find they don't stutter with their with the animals. Um, and, obviously, Michael Palin's character has a very strong... Uh, Ken 
has a very strong connection to any animal, uh, which makes a lot of what he does so heart-wrenching for him. Yes. Um, I, I will say that um, the, the idea of this film for John Cleese was all around somebody that has a stutter that has important information to give. And that's it. That was, that is how A Fish Called Wanda started. So, um, yeah, so, so we got some, uh, we got my Kevin Klein love. We have Chad talking about uh, Jamie Lee. Amy, any uh, actors or performances? Um, you can bring up the same ones if you want. That stood out for you? Um, well, all of them, but Michael Palin, especially. I found his character um, the funniest and um, mm -hmm. like his side plot of, yeah, <laughs> the off the old lady was hilarious and all the things he has to do. And you know that, it, like you said, it's heart wrenching because he's killing animals. <laughs> so, he shows up to their funeral. Like wearing a placard in a literal pet cemetery. Like it wasn't a people yeah. cemetery; it was a pet cemetery. Like he has the darkest freaking arc in the whole thing. But I feel like he has the the best ending out of all of them. Yes. I agree with that. He was my favorite in a cast full of amazing actors, and you know, they they all do a great job. But he was my favorite part of the movie. Although, you know, I love Jamie Lee and I love Kevin Klein and I love John Cleese. So, um, you know, it's hard to pick, but I enjoyed his performance the most. Yeah, I mean, and definitely like those four stand out. I mean, the, the rest of the actors, I, I'm sure if you knew, um, you know, a lot of British movies and all that, I think a lot of these were were. Uh, obviously they were all British actors except for Kevin Klein and Jimmy Lee. And you had uh Cynthia Cleese. Um, Cynthia Cleese. I'm sorry. Um, who played the daughter to John Cleese in the film, but in real life also um, is his daughter, not plays his daughter. So she was the spoiled Portia. But uh, uh, the other actor, anyone else spot another actor in this film? He came around the end. Um, I feel like you're testing us, Chris. I wasn't prepared I am, for I all am. these hard questions. Came at the end. I, I apologize. I mean, I'm sure. Came at the end at the airport. Um, a very young. Oh, it was Stephen Fry. Fry. Yes, I totally. Fed. Oh man! Oh, At that point, I'm like okay. looking at it. I'm like, that looks like a baby Stephen Fry. And then all of a sudden, he's <laughs> off screen. I'm like, I I'm gonna have to look that up after I watch this. And I totally forgot. You're right. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah I, I, that, that was like, <laughs> yeah, he's he's the one with the. Um, Otto steals his uh, ticket at the airport. Uh, he kicks him over. Yep. And Otto steals ticket. Yep. Yeah, it's before the confrontation with him and uh, uh, Archie. Archie. Yeah, Archie Archie Leach, by the way. Anyone, uh, in that name ring anyone's bells? Oh, absolutely. Cary Grant? Cary Grant, yes. That's his name. And John Cleese uh, was a huge fan of Cary Grant. As everybody should be. I was going to say, who isn't? 
Chris. Agreed. 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 Well, I, you know, I'm just trying to make, uh, th- there's a lot of connections with this film with all of our other top 50 that we've seen. I mean, Cary Grant mm-hmm. has been um, in numerous films here. Um, and this is the first film, I think, with any of the Monty Python um, actors in it, or uh, members, I should say. We have more coming up because, I mean, obviously... Yeah, we, we have it. This is a British list, and and those are some of the big British uh, comedy groups. So, yeah, um, I know we have Bonnie Python. I think Life of Brian is on the list. So so they're covered. They're covered. It's It, it did uh, feel a little weird. Like, it felt very much like a Monty Python movie. And I think, I can't remember if Graham Chapman was dead by this point. Like, I can't remember if he died in, like, 89 or 88, but... You know, it would have been cool to have most of the gang in this. But at the same time, you know, Cleese is one of the first ones that left Monty Python after the third season, because by that point, he's like, we're rewriting the same skits. We're not doing anything new. I want to go make movies. So I could see maybe he didn't want um, to do something like that. But still, you, you can you can take the money out of. John Cleese, but you can't take the python out of his penis. I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah. I, I don't know either, yeah. No, I'm I just think sure. of John Cleese's penis with that woman's face, the picture <laughs> over his wiener. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, this was so so uh, John Cleese, as we talk, he was the main writer of this film. Um, he had that one scene, so he, he wrote most of the parts with certain actors in mind. So he had seen Jamie Lee Curtis in Trading Places. And um, he he wrote Wanda specifically for her, which is which is kind of cool. Uh, same with Kevin Klein. He had seen Kevin Klein and forget the film, but they were also in Silverado together in 85. Mm-hmm. And um, um, so he wrote that one, that role, Otto, for Kevin Klein. Um, I'm not sure why he didn't have a, a role yeah, for the other uh, Python members, but, you know, maybe he knew Michael Palin could pull off the stutter. And since that was the idea that started the film. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit plot here. Let, let, let's talk a little bit plot. So this is A Fish Called Wanda is a... Dark comedy for sure. A little bit noir going on with um, um, bank heist. So you have the the four members of the group. Um, not John Cleese. Nope. But you have Otto, Wanda, Ken, and George. Who we haven't talked about. Yeah. But uh, uh, pl- played by Tom George. Georgeson was his name. Eh. He was fine, but he he was barely in it. You don't care it. about George. But, um, no, you don't. Uh, but George and Ken are friends and very close. And Wanda is dating George, and she brings in her brother, air quotes around brother, Otto, who is ex CIA. Um, Super smart. Air quotes around that too. He's Super reading smart. Nietzsche uh, when we first uh, are introduced to him. 
<laughs> and uh, uh, they're going to pull off the uh, bank heist to steal, what was it, 40 million? It's 20 million, 20 million, million in uh, diamonds 20, or whatever. In diamonds. So uh, one interesting thing that I saw from this film. So this film came out 88, and I believe it was like 92, 93, where handguns and most other firearms were banned in Britain. <laughs> Because there are a lot of guns yeah. in this film. Yeah. <laughs> and and I was under the impression, oh, wait, I thought guns weren't allowed in, in Britain. But it was like 92 or 93 where, where that happened. So this film kind of slipped under. The, the uh, Otto going through security, freaking just yeah. thre- like definitely pre 9-11, but like throwing his gun. <laughs> Through security on the side of the uh, metal detector detector. and catching it and pocketing it. That was such a cool shot. Yeah. Is is, as shitty Um, as Otto is, like as a character, he's so good. He's so good. Yeah. (laughs) I got to I got to give that to Kevin Klein, just how he just. Again, this this film is why. I would see anything that Kevin Klein was in, even in films I did not really like. I'll still like watch it and go, I really like Kevin Klein in that. <laughs> like Wild Wild West or Dave. I'm not a big fan <laughs> of either one. But I see Kevin Klein in him. I go, I like that Kevin Klein. He's so good. I, I don't know if you guys have. Act- I'm sure everyone has an actor or actress like that. Bruce Campbell. Um, Yeah, it's like anything you see him in, he's good. I don't know, Amy, do, do you have anyone like that? Um, Yeah, I mean, I would say Bruce Campbell as well. Or, well come yeah, up with an original like, thought, Amy. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I just want to be you, Chad. Nah. Well, we can't all be mean now, can we? But Bruce is uh, fucking great. But yeah, I, uh, it it is weird, like, the uh, with films that we watch and, you know, what kind of sticks to us throughout our lives like it could be mm-hmm. the dumbest pres- uh, premise ever like i went to a screening of the man with the screaming brain uh it was in milwaukee and it was a dumb movie but i got to get a signature from bruce campbell and you know i'll always see stuff that he's in uh and kevin klein like i could he's amazing he's Every and actually, I mean, I'll think of Kevin Klein now. Uh, anytime I'll think of him, I'll think of this movie. But anytime I think of him, is from Orange County, and he didn't even have like a huge role in that movie at all. But he's such a dominating presence in that movie specifically that I don't know. Kevin Klein's just so energetic, especially in this film. Like the 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 scene where they're juxtaposing uh, him and. Uh, Wanda having sex and then yeah. John Cleese or uh, um, freaking Archie and Wendy just going to bed in their separate beds and freaking <laughs> Klein comes in. He like jumps in the air and like gymnastic vaults himself onto the bed and he's speaking his gibberish Italian and man, you can see why he won an award for this film. Between that scene and then the the first when uh, Archie and Wanda are together in the uh, in the bungalow or whatever, and you see Kevin Klein peeking yeah. into the window <laughs> behind them, kind of watching them. 
Um, yeah, he he definitely has a, a charisma about him, and and I think I you know I I know Amy just from knowing you as long as I've known you that you are a huge Bruce fan, Bruce Campbell fan. Um, I don't know about. Bruce Springsteen, but Bruce <laughs> Campbell, I know you're a big fan. Yes. She also um, loves Bruce Valanche. <laughs> I do. <he> was <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I definitely, I, I think with, um, with both of the actors, I, I think there is a certain charisma that, and screen presence that they have when the camera's on there. I love Bruce Campbell as well. He's not one to go to roles that might bring him oscars though he's not drawn to those roles he doesn't get those no roles. yeah no um yeah I, I think kevin klein as an actor has gotten some really good roles and um but they they both exude that charisma that just draws your eyes to them um i think this film is a perfect showcase for kevin klein so now that we're done with the Kevin Klein love fest, I'm sure we'll get back to it later. But um, um, yeah, so so more of the plot. So we meet all the, the, the bank robbers and we have Ken who loves animals because we're in his apartment and his posters of animals. He's got all these fish, including a fish named Wanda. Um. Not a big surprise, given that's the title, but um, also named after Jamie Lee Curtis's character. So, you know, there obviously must be something going on there. Like he likes her, obviously, which she takes advantage of. Um, yeah. And then about 20 minutes in the film, the bank robbery's done. And like all good heist films, it's done right yeah. away. <laughs> well, and it, it it's. It's basically so once the heist is over, everybody has, you know, been used where they're going to be used. And uh, the plan is to get George, George arrested. Uh, So, well, the plan from Otto Otto and Wanda, Wanda. Ken didn't know, Uh, but Otto and Wanda call in to like, George did it. Go arrest him. George beforehand hid the diamonds in a separate place uh, that Otto and Wanda didn't know about. Well, no, not even well, Ken, and knew Ken about didn't that. know about it either until uh, he was mm-hmm. told later. But it's it's basically just a search for okay, it's in a different place. We found this key. Wanda finds Ken hiding a key that was given to him by George. And they know the key's going to do something. They just have to figure out what. So then Archie comes into play because he's a barrister. He's a lawyer and he's defending George. So Wanda gets the idea of like, all right, well, I'm good at flirting with men. Wink. Um, She's going to kind of flirt her way into a relationship with Archie to get information on where the diamonds could be. And it's, you know, it's a comedy of errors. Uh, Otto Otto and Wanda are obviously dating and not brother and sister. Uh, And Otto is super jealous and he keeps getting in the way. No, he's not. (laughs) He's he's not stupid. (laughs) He's not jealous. No, he's not. Don't 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 call. Don't don't call him stupid. (laughs) Stupid. Oh, Wanda actually comes up with like some pretty dope plans and he keeps just getting in the way. 
because she thinks she's going to have he thinks she's going to have sex with Archie, which, you know, probably. But again, she points out at a certain point in the movie, like, look, it's 20 million dollars. Like, is it really worth to be jealous if I'm going to fuck one dude for 20 million dollars? He's not jealous. I'm not jealous. Um, (laughs) But as time goes on, uh, Otto keeps thinking that Wanda is falling in love with Archie. Archie's starting to get braver, I guess. Um, And finally, his wife figures out what's going on and she's going to divorce him. So there's a certain point where Archie's like, you know what? Life of crime. I'm in. Well, he he has a line at some point in there that he doesn't have any money. He married his wife and she has all the money. So so he has, you know, and he's in a loveless marriage with a spoiled, rotten daughter. And, um, yeah, like he's, he, uh, he gives the locket to his wife accidentally, uh, the locket that is holding Mm -hmm. the key. And, um, it's the greatest gift that he's ever given her. So she can't give it up. Even when he brings a, a much more expensive diamond bracelet or whatever, she can't give it up because it's the best gift ever. And, uh, yeah, there's so many like little, plot lines like that that I think it's it's a lot of set different set pieces like a a, a new challenge comes up you know after the previous one is solved it just keeps compounding Mm -hmm. you know the closer and closer they get to trying to get the fucking diamonds which they end up well auto basically auto takes Ken interrogates him eats all his fish in front of him to get him to tell him yes. where the diamonds are. Um, so while while Kevin Klein said he had offered to eat live fish. Oh, those did not look real. The, those are yeah, all jello. Especially with the Wanda fish. You could tell at the end, just like <laughs> the fake tail out of his mouth. Although I will say, and it, it takes a lot for me to get a gag reflex. Like it's very specific things on screen to make me vomit, even though I know it's all fake that the last fish Wanda when he was like just like floating it in his mouth in and out and like kind of going back and forth with it I started going uh, uh, uh. Um, luckily I did it but I, I definitely had that feeling so I know a movie is good authentically if it can fake even me out even though I know it's not real and now a break for our sponsors Has this ever happened to you? Ah, this video game is bullshit! Are you tired of gaping plot holes and boring gameplay mechanics? Look, all I'm saying is that if a full-fledged Krogan is falling off a platform, there's no way Commander Shepard has the upper arm strength to pull him up! Has reading become just too tedious of a chore? Ugh, books. Are you bored of your same three murder podcasts? Shocking, it's the butler. Allow me to introduce you to the brand new fan fiction podcast, with an X, hosted by our lovely basement dwelling and real-life Muppet, Dan McCoy. Well, that's hurtful. And myself, of course, the blonde bombshell, with the blood of Odin and the great looks of Jake Busey from Starship Troopers. That's accurate. And with our powers combined... No. Oh, you never let me do what I want to do. I said no, man. We're not doing that. Ah, fine. Anyway, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your fix from. Remember, fan fiction with an X. 
Hi, I'm Ryan. And I'm Mike. And, and we, we are, are brothers-in-law. We both love beer and are amateur homebrewers. Wait, so does that make us... Brothers-in-law? <laughs> I believe so. Every episode, we will talk about aspects of beer and homebrewing. But nothing super technical because we're learning this too. So join us as we sit down together and dive into something beer-related. Whether it's a little field research, tasting a certain beer style, or beers from a specific brewery, Talk about our experiences brewing beer at home, including our own solo brews, as well as themed competitions we'll set up along the way. We will also talk about some of our favorite aspects of brewing, like hops, extra ingredients, building our brew cave, and more. And of course, our own misadventures that have happened along the way. So, if you like beer, are home brewing already, or if you have an interest in home brewing and don't know where to start, join us on Brewers in Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google. YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at Brewers in Law and check out our website, BrewersInLaw.com. Cheers. Cheers. We're back. So, so did you guys uh, see the version? So, the, the original version, I'm sorry. The American version of the film didn't include um, part of that torture scene. It didn't include the part where the chips were stuffed up the nose. Really? Yeah. For I did not know that. Reason being? Um, just, I think, because it... They're uh, called Freedom Fries? Yeah. <laughs> well, no one knows what chips are in the United States. So they're like, what? What are they talking about? No. Um, I think just because of the torture that Ken is going through, that it was deemed. America loves torture, Chris. Like, it's our number one import and export. Why were. I, not, I'm not blaming not you. I'm just on, like very confused on why that scene out of all of them. Not on film, though. Ugh. I don't know. I'm just saying. But, but yeah, I mean, that, that, I, props to Michael Palin because that wasn't a stunt nose. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was definitely fake ketchup, though. <laughs> I, I, overall, um, I mean, we can finish up the story real quick, but essentially everything happens at Heathrow. Uh, Ken lets Archie know where uh, Wanda and Otto are headed. And uh, Ken eventually has a standoff against Otto, who's about to shoot Archie. Well, he's got got two standoffs yeah. against him. I mean, it's not a Mexican standoff, because I guess uh, Archie didn't have, was no threat to, uh, so I don't know, like a New Mexico standoff. Uh, but essentially, it, you know, Otto gets caught monologuing. <laughs> And and Archie keeps like yes. <laughs> goading him to keep doing more because he can see out of the corner of his eye. Ken is slowly coming by with uh, one of those uh, cement uh, steam, steamroller. Steam yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. Um, and it's funny just to see Otto go through like five stages of grief, just trying to plead with Ken not to run him over. Um, like say, you're not going to do it. I'll give you anything. Okay. I'm sorry. Like so many different emotions. Uh, but Ken finally, because the whole time Otto has been just like a dick to him and just being weird with him. 
and he rolls him over and he loses his stutter. He's like, hey, I've lost my stutter. Like it's that's why I think it's the best uh, character turn because Otto gave him such shit about having that stutter. The fact that he, you know, kills Otto, quote unquote, um, you know, cures it. I don't know. I think it's it's sweet for his character because he doesn't get any diamonds. That's for damn sure. No, he just, you know, <laughs> he just gets the thrown in jail for, you know, the crime and for the murder and everything. So and all his fish are dead and he's got three dogs on his oh, conscience that Those are poor dead. Dogs. Um, so, yeah, yeah, he he he. Not Jamie Lee Curtis and John Cleese's character who fly off with the Rio de Janeiro had the best yeah. ending. Exactly. Yeah, Ken, Ken had it. Yeah. Good old Ken. <laughs> uh, so so uh, the the other change that was made was um, that Otto uh, comes back out of the dead. Um, so originally he was supposed to be, you know, you ran over by a steamroller, you're dead. But in this film, he shows up and, um, is standing outside the plane, um, outside the very window on the wing. And you have to assume that once he flew off there, he's dead. Yeah. That's the thing. If he wasn't dead from getting run over by a steamroller, he was definitely dead (laughs) trying to hang on to a, a plane taking off. I mean, yeah, there's no talk about, you know, a fish called Wanda, too. So I would assume. But it's weird. And I I didn't know this because, again, I've never seen this movie before. But um, they all got back together and they did another movie with the same cast. Mm -hmm. Um, Was it 97 uh, Fierce Creatures? Is that it? Yeah. Uh, which I'm going to have to watch now because if it's all that same core cast, I don't know if it's going to be as good, but um, I, I would say it's not going to be you, as good. Have you seen because, it? Um, I've, I've not. I don't then how did you say it. that, have Chris? You seen it, Amy? I haven't seen it. <laughs> I, I think because nobody has seen it. It's on here <laughs> where two out of the three of us had seen a fish called Wanda. And it's not on the list. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm just saying it's probably not as good. Well, fine. I'm just saying it's it's cool when uh, you you work so well with a cast. You work with a cast yeah. so well that it's like, hey, let's get the band back together and do it again. You know, it might not be as good, but who gives a shit? It's it. Well, it. Um the, like the whole concept around like the uh, American horror um, series mm-hmm. where it basically, if, if I'm remembering it correctly, it's basically the same core cast. Yeah, I've never watched the show before. They're in each of the but, series, yeah. but they're just different like elements. Uh, Amy, is that a show that you've seen? Uh, yeah, I've seen a couple seasons of it. Um, yeah, it is a lot of the same cast in each season. And it's doing different roles. Different characters. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could say uh, uh, Christopher Guest's um, movies, you know, in his troupe, Monty Python, you yeah. know, they made a bunch of different movies. So. You mean uh, Mr. Jamie Lee Curtis? Mr. G- yeah, no kidding. 
So yeah, so so that's another little trivia bit, I guess. When uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was contacted by John Cleese, she thought, "Oh, he just wants to talk to my husband." Yeah, because Christopher Guest at the time was a bigger name than Jamie Lee Curtis. I think that well, that especially in the comedy sense. realm, you know, not that Jamie Lee. Yeah, she proved she could do comedy with uh, training uh, places, but. Um, yep. Yeah, I could I could see that happening. We're like, okay, everybody wants to talk to my funny husband. So, um, yeah. So, I I will say, um, you know, Amy has said this before. The movie holds up. I mean, it's it's eighty eight. It is the nineteen eighty eight was the year of villains. The main villain of the film being run over by steamrollers. <laughs> what other film had Roger the Rabbit. main villain run over by steamrollers? Yeah, Roger amazing. Rabbit. I'm just, I yeah, had to think okay. of the year. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I should have let you finish. What uh, movie were you going to ask me about? Yeah, no, Roger Rabbit. You both got it. You both got it. You both got it. Ah. Anyway. Well, it's hard not to think um, of Roger, Rod- Roger Rabbit with that yeah. um, cartoonish ending you know because <laughs> you don't see that in movies you see it in cartoons <laughs> right i and what yeah that's i mean obviously that it wasn't time for the steamroller to go over that wet cement but um <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah um they they the the camera angles all that of of uh kevin klein getting run over were, were well done like i, I thought I, I thought um, well positioned in, in general. I mean, comedies aren't really notorious for having uh, good looking cinematography, but there were a couple choices in this that I liked. Uh, <clears throat> I think it was Ken who came into the apartment and yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the first time he came in and Otto was trying to hide in the bathroom and Jamie Lee kind of like puts on clothes and, you know, Makes it look like she just got out of the shower and the camera keeps switching from left to right, showing Otto to uh, Ken with uh, Jamie Lee, Wendy or sorry, Wanda in the middle. And mm-hmm. the, there's a lot of visual gags that happen there where immediately anything happens. Otto immediately just like pulls his gun out and she's like, you know, no, put it down. He's like, what? You know, I it, it's I, I like to commend films that actually think about what they put in the frame or how they manipulate the frame to uh, enhance the joke, especially in comedy, because, you know, cinema verte, all that shit, you know, people really only think of it as a high art type thing, but you can throw it into funny movies and do something simple, but, you know, give yourself a completely different outcome than you would have just setting up the camera on a tripod and not doing anything, you know? And, and I know John Cleese gives all the credit to this film, the direction to Charles Crichton, and it's hard to know because obviously Charles Crichton isn't alive anymore, and John Cleese hasn't changed his tune at all as far as how much direction he actually did. Um, I mean, so who knows? I mean, that could be Charles Crichton, could be John Cleese, could be a combination of the two to, to kind of, you know, get those scenes right, get the cameras set and the cinematographer uh, working with uh, that person to make sure that it looks beautiful. I mean, even if he, if Cleese did direct most of this, like he obviously has so much respect for this man 
like he'd be willing to go to the grave with that type of secret. I'm not saying that's that's what happened, but you know, sometimes you just do things for other people just out of respect. Yeah. All right. So so Amy, what? Um, looking at this film, what were some uh, like what? Describe the your your favorite scene, the one scene that you think of when you when you think of this movie. Um, it would probably be um, the which is horrible. It's the torture scene of Ken because I feel so bad for him, and those are his fish, and he's so upset. And then leading to him running him over with a steamroller because he killed his fish. So um, that was those were the highlights for me. Um, as far as you know, really dark comedy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just it, it was cringy to watch him eat those fish and feel so bad for um, Michael Palin's character that you know I would kill Otto. So. <laughs> what 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 I love too is that when that scene starts, Ken is like celebrating because the old woman died and he gets to collect on the bet the one pound from Otto <laughs> the one pound so he's celebrating that at first and then it just turns and yeah he doesn't get that celebratory mood until he yeah runs him over with a steamroller yeah. <laughs> what about you Chad what's what's the one scene that um you think will will be uh what you remember the film? Uh, I'm going to cheat and just say uh, the whole B plot of Ken trying to off the old woman, like because th- there's such short little interludes between the whole story. Because at, at points you forget that Ken is actually an actual character doing other things because yeah. we're so yeah. engrossed with what's going on with our, our other three principles. But uh, just the the fact that. He tried to make it look like an accident every time. He just ended up killing these poor animals, which he loves so much. So, like I said earlier, he shows up to their fucking funerals with, you know, not only are they burying this dog in a pet cemetery, but there's a vicar. There's two choir boys singing, you know, and and the they pull back to Ken just like struggling with himself and every time one of these accidents happens he gets hurt so the more it compounds the more he's like looking like he's destroyed physically and mentally so that that's what i'll always remember about this film so yeah john and john cleese um wrote it with the small dogs because he did not consider them to be real dogs (laughs) So he thought people would have less of a problem laughing at them being killed because um, a little bit of you like is hurt as these dogs get killed and you're a little bit like totally. Um, and and uh, it's 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 so detailed that the choir boys um, are singing in Latin translated into English is have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord. The dog is dead. <laughs> it's something I would expect from a John Cleese film. Yeah, from a John Cleese written film. Uh, for me, um, it would have to be the whole bungalow, like both times in the bungalow. So the the first time 
when they're up on the bed and, and you see Otto <laughs> pop up behind the window. And then um, that's where you have the scene of John Cleese being held upside down outside the wim- window to apologize for calling Kevin Klein's character stupid. Um, and then, of course, yeah, the uh, photo over uh, John Cleese's uh, junk scene was pretty good, too. Just seeing the family there and the shock of them as, as they're trying to figure out what's going on. So, um, yeah, a film that absolutely belongs on this list. I, I cannot disagree. I know we've had some lately, Chad, where we're like, hey, should it be on here? But this this film absolutely is on this list. 36? I don't know. We'll see. But uh, definitely on this list. Um. Amy, do you, is this one? I mean, you said you're going to get it. Yeah. So it's going to join it. So is, does that make it one of the top comedies or top? Yeah. Comedies in your book? Well, I mean, it is. And, you know, having not seen it in 30 years, it was <laughs> it was nice to revisit it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't own too many comedies. So it seems like that one is it, it should be in the collection because it has rewatchability. <laughs> You know, I can watch it that does. again. Now that I've seen it again after so long, I could watch it next year and, you know, probably find something else funny about it or, or you know, just like the characters' performances more. Or, or <laughs> but, but not like the characters. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> They're all terrible people. They really are. And it's, you can't <laughs> even decide who's the worst out of all of them. I mean, Ken's okay, even though he does hor- horrible things, but... Yeah. Who's the most manipulative? Um, manip- can't even say it. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yes. Um, who's who's the worst out of the the three um, actual uh, robbers or con men, con women, whatever you want to call them? It it'd be interesting to see because George seems like the like the most feared, yeah. but Otto's the worst, right? Like. Yeah, he's he's pretty horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Wanda's character, she just knows what she wants and she doesn't care how she gets it. But you know what? She's still living, probably living in, in Rio yeah. with uh, with a barrister. <laughs> so. All right, uh, Chad, what do you think? Do you think this is uh, one that uh, deserves That's to be on the list? Biased. Uh, yes, from me, only because of the lineage behind it. And, um, yeah, again, the fact that I hadn't watched this before is criminal to me personally. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely <clears throat> go on a limb and say it's definitely at least worth being uh, 36 on this list, if not lower. But depends on what we see coming up. Speaking oh, of, good you, you saw my little uh, pivot there. I'm glad yeah, you picked I, that I up. That. Here, here you go. Here's the basketball. So, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Which um, was long range. <laughs> <laughs> so number 35, and I have I have never seen this I didn't film. know this was a comedy. Um, yeah, I didn't know it was either. Amy, have you seen the film Singing in the Rain? I have not. The 1952 Stanley Donan and Gene Kelly. It apparently is a comedy. I 
in high school, I was. I did not know that. I, Neither did I. Signed I. up to be in this musical, but I had to drop out because I was wrestling and I couldn't do both. So I never got to see the show. Uh, probably should have stuck with it. <laughs> well, you you made your choice. <laughs> um. Yeah. I. I. Well. I. I mean. Obviously. I. I think everyone has seen this song being sung by Gene Kelly and dancing or is it Gene Kelly it's or Gene Kelly. There that does it Gene Kelly I thought so because he's one of the directors um, it would make much more sense than bringing somebody else in to do that um, but I have no idea what it's about but it'll be interesting to see it the forecast calls for rain and singing yeah. about it um, all right. So, Amy, thank you so much for thank joining you, us. Um, yes, thanks for having any, me, guys. Yeah. Anything you want to promote? Any other uh, podcasts that you do or, or or just life in general? No, no, I'm good. I, yeah. I occasionally guest on yours and that's about it. So. <laughs> all right. Podcasting has slowed down for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love to have you on. Um yeah, and you're one of the one of the uh, people from, you know, that from my former podcast, Podcast Mania, that I bring on here. So I love hearing your opinion on things. So um, you will hear Amy again, not only for this list, but for for our essentials list as well. She'll be joining us for for one of those that are upcoming that we will you'll learn about later. But. Um, thank you again, Chad. Any final thoughts? Uh, uh, we're working on a film currently in LA right now that we're shooting. Oh, tell us a little it's bit about that. It's a horror that. movie. Working title is called Demon Detective. It's about a detective who hunts demons. Don't know if I spoiled too much for you. But anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll be getting into post pretty soon and hopefully... We could have it finished by the end of the year and get it out so your eyeballs can see it. And then you can tell me how much you hate it. <laughs> or love Sorry, it. I shouldn't be pessimistic. There's a lot of uh, cool people working on this and it'll be good. It's just, you know, I'm always I'm always nervous that you guys are going to hate it. Well, I, I am stoked about some of the names that you have. We in got the film, we got Adrian Barbeau. I don't know if you've ever heard of that person. I know. I know. Amy has. Yes, I am a big and Doug Jones. So excellent. We're uh, <laughs> even if the movie's bad, we still got stars in it. So somebody will watch it. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's yes. all that's going on in my world right now. Well, that's yeah, that's very exciting, and um, hopefully we'll uh, be talking about that more. Maybe maybe on the essential Ooh. series, we'll break that one down. Probably not because we have a rule like 1970 is like the cut. <laughs> Fine. Um, so yeah, so my final thought is that Lord loves a working man. Don't trust Whitey. See a doctor and get rid of it. Thank you, everybody. Could be one of those back alley doctors. Just could be. Thank you again for listening to the Film Illogical Society. If you'd like to listen to similar podcasts, please check out 6.5 Media on Stitcher, iTunes, and Facebook. Or check out Redacted Media on Facebook or YouTube.